five seconds. He's going to throw it. Howard leaps. He has it. Touchdown, Carolina. Back from the dead to tie the game with two seconds to go. Snap back, spot down. The kick is cleanly away. It is good. And it's Wilder with yes, a 54-yard field goal. And how about them Tar Heels? They do it. Here's Kupak. Gives off to Amos. He's good. 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 He's Jordan back to kick, it's blocked again, picked up, it'll be a touchdown Carolina for Bracey Walker. He blocks his second punt and scores his second touchdown of the season, it's 14 to 13. Mr. Jordan meet Mr. Walker. Bernard fields it at the 26, heading to the far side, Gio at the 35, Gio, he's at the 50, no he's not, yes he is, Gio, he's gonna take it for a touchdown. This is the Heel Tough Blog Podcast on Spreaker.com. Hey guys, and welcome to this edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's Anthony Pagnata back with you guys as always. Remember that you can like and subscribe to the podcast on uh, iTunes, Google Podcast, or just about anywhere podcasts are found, Spotify, iHeartRadio, all those places. Make sure that you like it and give us a review. We'd really appreciate it. So today... We are going to give you some information on what's going on in fall camp. And to do so, we welcome in our guy from Tar Heel Illustrated. It's Jacob Turner. Hey, Jacob, man, I know you were out of town for a little while, but you're back at it, back in Chapel Hill. And uh, not only are we excited, but, man, the players are definitely excited. Last year we saw this type of excitement early in the year from the Tar Heels under Larry Fedora. This seems a little bit different with Mac Brown and his staff. It seems like that excitement that was there in the spring is definitely carried over into the fall. Yeah, Anthony, it's really just a complete 360-degree turn from what it was like uh, last. I obviously wasn't covering the team at the beginning of the season last year, but, I mean, anybody could tell that the vibe around the program was just completely different under Larry Fedora. And to give you guys an example of that, uh, one thing Larry did last year, I'm not trying to disrespect Larry at all. I mean, what what's done is done. That's in the past now. But during this fall camp period with Mac Brown, we've had availability every single practice. Now, in fall camp last year, media availability, there was only four days that Fedora let the, let media come in and interview players and interview guys. And that just really put a put a sour taste in the mouth of, of not only uh, a lot of fans, but just people in general that were interested in what was going on around the program. I know my boss had... THI Andrew Jones spoke about uh, when he was on the flight to California for the opener last year. He had no clue who was going to start the game because of the limited access they got last year, and that hurt the program. Uh, combine that with the with the record last year and how things were going in the previous year when Carolina only won three games, and uh, unfortunately the vibe around Carolina not only during the preseason but the whole year was just bad. And but now, like I said, it's completely different. Matt Brown's brought a different energy back to this team. He's brought a different energy back to this program. That, and if there's anybody that was going to do it, it was Matt Brown. People are just excited, and, and rightly so. People should be excited to see what this team can do. Uh, we'll dive into it a little bit more, I'm sure. But this is a talented team. There's a lot of good players on this team, and, and the vibe is, is definitely different around the program, which uh, is only going to benefit the team going forward. 
But you talked about your boss, Andrew Jones, not knowing who was going to start at quarterback last year. Unfortunately, it looks like when he climbs into the car from Chapel Hill to get down here to Charlotte, he's not going to have a clue who's going to start again this year. But that's mainly because it seems like there's just so much talent there. My question is, though, I know everybody's going to want to focus on me asking, okay, who's going to be the starter, who's going to be the starter? We don't know. We, we let, Let's just start out by saying that. We have no clue, okay? All of these guys really have, you know, everything it takes to be a starting quarterback at the college level. It's just which one stands out. My question to you is how much do you think of that is coach speak? Is there maybe a guy that is stepping up, or do you think that Matt Brown is being truthful in saying all of these guys are neck and neck? It's funny that you asked that, Anthony, because we actually put out a video over at THI yesterday where me and AJ kind of broke down that position because on Monday we got to talk to Phil Longo for the first time uh, during fall camp. And as you just mentioned, Matt Brown has, has kept his cars very tight to his chest. He's continuously said, along with every player we pretty much asked about it, that there is no separation between the three. Phil Longo ends up saying the same thing. And I mentioned in the video we put out, I said, I'm not sure if that's really what's going on. I think by now, there has to be at least a little bit of separation between the three. And granted, I don't think, I really do think there is not a lot of separation. I'm not really buying the fact that these guys are saying that there's no separation at all. Right. Just looking at the three guys, they all bring something different to the table. Longo said it yesterday, but he said, Fortin's got the best arm. Mm -hmm. Howell is a little bit of both. He's an athlete and he can throw the ball very well. And Ruder's the best athlete out of the three. So they, depending on what you're looking for, even before you come into fall camp, you would think somebody has an edge. And when I think of Mac Brown's offense, uh, even at Texas, I think of guys at a, as a quarterback that can move. I mean, you can look back in, in the 90s when he was at Carolina and Stanisek was there. He was an option quarterback that could move. So Mac Brown's obviously and pretty much always had somebody that was mobile with his feet. That's why a lot of guys have, have considered how and Ruger is the guys that they're leaning towards. That's what I've heard from the most fans that I've that I've heard from when what their projections are from a lot of analysts and what their projections are. But when it comes down to it, Anthony, I think there's not much separation between the three, but by this point in, in fall camp, I think there has to be a little bit. And quite frankly, if it's, if, if they keep saying in a week or two that there is no separation and they really truly mean that it almost becomes a problem for Carolina because before the South Carolina game, you'd like to think that somebody would step up, assume, uh, you know, assume this leadership position and, and really grab it by the horns and take it. But as of right now, from what we've heard from literally everybody in the program, there's no separation between the three, but I don't see it that way. I think there's not a huge amount of separation, but I do think there is a little bit. Well, I mean, I'm kind of with you. I I think what most people are asking is at least one of the guys has to be falling behind, right? There has to be two of the guys that are stepping forward because – you know, we if you look back, Mac Brown does have a history of having gone with two quarterbacks at times early in the season, and it's a much more successful two quarterback system than we saw with Larry Fedora. So he's been there, he's done it. He doesn't want to have to do it. If somebody can step yeah. forward, that'd be phenomenal. But if he, mm-hmm. you know, at least we need to get down to two. So yeah, I, I'm I'm kind of with you on that. Um, I think one of the other things that people will, you know, are, are the reason this question is going to come up a little bit more is because we see 
Miami, already find out who their quarterback's going to be. I do want to caution people, though, because you got to remember, Miami plays in week zero. They open the season against Florida on the 24th, so they needed to make a decision earlier than Carolina did. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how much they're going to let on, but I think eventually they're going to have to tell us something, right? You would think. I mean, we we don't have as much power as we think, right? Like, we want them to give us something, and they're telling us, no, you're not allowed to have anything. Yeah. Exactly, and I think it gets to a point too where even if they did know, maybe they're just not coming out and say it. Maybe they're just keeping their 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 cards tight to their chest. Um, I don't really see. I could see Larry Fedora doing that with the kind of coach he was. He was kind of a a paranoid coach to say the less. He didn't give the media a lot of stuff. I agree. Matt Brown's really yeah, the complete yeah. opposite. But Anthony, to answer your question, one thing that he could be doing, and one thing that I am considering with Matt Brown is maybe he just doesn't want to ruin the confidence in any of these guys. Maybe in the coaches' meetings right. they have two guys maybe they have a starter for all we know and, and maybe they just want to keep this competition healthy and and, and because they're not 100 percent sure yet so that could be a factor as well but if i had to give my honest opinion on it i think there's two guys probably that have started to pull away a little bit in my opinion that that's Howell and ruder but with longo coming out yesterday and saying fortin had the best arm it kind of made me readjust and think well maybe that's what longo is looking for in this offense and maybe fortin's the guy but, but like you said, uh, Anthony, to put it simply, uh, I think we all just really have no idea. So I know one of the other things that I found really, really interesting is when they started fall camp, they did make some changes on the offensive line. It looks like Nick Polino's moving back to guard, but he will flip over to the other side. He's going to go to right guard. Ed Montillis is going to stay at left guard, but they got a new starting center in Brian Anderson. This was a guy that we heard a lot about before last season. Larry Fedora and his guys really liked him. They thought he was the center of the future. And now it seems like he's locked in at that center position, barring anything major. Is you know, is, is that something that Carolina fans should be really encouraged by? Has he stepped up that much? Or is it maybe something that we're just not talking about like an injury or something? Yeah, I think Brian Anderson has stepped up in camp, and I think he's somebody that the coaching staff really likes. We got a chance to talk to him. I want to say it was last week, and really good guy, uh, really good interview. Uh, has some really good things to say. You can say you can tell he has his his head on his shoulders really well. And I think Anderson's done a great job stepping up in there. I really don't think that's anything to do with injuries. I think that's Brian Anderson coming here, and and like you said, Fedora was very high on that staff was very high on. And when you look at that position, I mean, they were looking for somebody to step up and assume that center role. I will say that on that offensive line, though, that is Carolina's most uh, questionable uh, position right now because when you look at everybody else they have down there, uh, you got a couple of highly rated guys, you got a couple of seniors in Heck and Polino. So I think the center position probably has the biggest question marks surrounding it. I don't think there's a huge amount of question marks. I don't think anybody should be worried about Anderson's capability going into the season. I mean, obviously he hasn't played a ton of ball for Carolina, but I think he's a guy from what I've seen in the open practices, from what I've seen and heard from the coaches, there is a guy that looks really good down there. there he seems like a guy that the, that the coaching staff and players are confident in to assume that starting role. So we'll have to see and continue to see how it plays out over the next few weeks going into the season. But right now I think Anderson's done a great job and credit to him for, for stepping up and, and taking a position that was really open for grabs in the first place. Well, yeah, I, I'm I'm kind of with you with, with some of the guys down there. I, I'm encouraged by both uh, Montillas and Jordan mm-hmm. Tucker. I think both guys have a lot of upside, but it's you're, you're right. Um, the, the lesser amount of experience, 
Um, you know, it should be a concern early in the season because you're going up against two very good defensive lines in oh, South yeah. Carolina mm-hmm. and then Miami. So we'll have to wait and see. But that's good to hear um, from Brian Anderson, especially because the team they play first, South Carolina, Javon Kinlaw is a monster yeah. in the middle. So, yeah, uh, yeah Brian Anderson, we'll, we'll see. I think, uh, you know, I'm pretty comfortable with him. There's been a lot of change at that position over the last couple of seasons. So maybe Brian Anderson, being only a sophomore, will bring a little bit of stability there. So when you look, um, you know, really just throughout the whole team, is there any true freshman that has really stepped up? I mean, I know there were some guys that, of course, were early enrollees. Um, there are some guys that have come in. I know uh, Daryl Miller, who's the dad of Tristan Miller, the offensive lineman who came in, says he's been making some moves. He's already up to second team. Is there anybody that's kind of stood out to you guys in the limited amount of uh, practices that you guys have been able to see? Yeah, I mean, I think for me, one obvious was Storm Duck who came in and during the spring, and he did a phenomenal job in the spring game, had that pick six that he took back. Right. Uh, pretty much every guy in the secondary that we talked to has been very high on him. And in the same way that with Emory Simmons at the wide receiver position, guys mm-hmm. in the wide receiver group have been very high on him. Um, there's been a couple of coaches, I can't remember off the top of my head, I think Matt Brown said something about him, and I want to say Phil Longo said some really good things about him as well. Don't quote me on that, but a lot of coaches, a lot of players have mentioned him as a guy that they feel comfortable throwing out there and playing. I know he had a uh, big deep ball catch in the scrimmage that I heard uh, on Saturday. Carolina had his first scrimmage of, of fall camp, and I heard he had a really impressive deep ball catch. Don't believe he scored on it, but I think he got Carolina in the red zone, and that was one of the big highlights from that. Uh, scrimmage uh, from what I've heard and some of the intel I've got from that. Um, another guy, I mean, it's an obvious guy, but Sam Howell. I mean, one of the position groups right. I've been following the most during uh, these – we've had two open practice periods so far. And granted, they've, they've been – we haven't seen too much. We've seen a lot of, uh, of kind of basic drills that you'd expect in the first 50 minutes, not a lot of contact, mainly just working on the fundamentals of each position group. But mm-hmm. Sam Howell is a guy that impresses me, man. He's a guy that – I'm sure nobody's uh, surprised to hear me say this, but he's a guy that I think will eventually earn the starting spot so, at some right, point right. during this uh, this season. And, and I, when I say that, I mean, I'm, I'm echoing a lot of the my uh, peers' uh, sentiments as well. A lot of people think Sam Howell might not start against South Carolina. They think he'll play, but eventually he'll step into that starting role at some point in the season. But from what I've seen from Howell, um, he's probably been the most impressive guy, and he should be. He's, he's really the highest-rated guy in that class, the number two player in the state of North Carolina coming in. And he just looks like a gamer. He looks like a guy that understands the position. But for me, Storm Duck, Emory Simmons, and Sam Howell all bring something to the table. And I, I would not be shocked if all three of them end up playing significant minutes. I think Duck may have a little bit more difficulty getting into that secondary when you look at the cornerback position because you've got Patrice Rene mm-hmm. and uh, Trey Morrison, who's mo- recently moved to that position. But, I mean, Lonnie Galloway and the coaching staff have said it a ton since spring ball. They they, don't, they need more wide receivers, and they're looking for about 14 guys they could trust in this air raid offense is what they've said. And right now, uh, they've only really got 10 to 12, and at least that's what we've heard from them. So I think Emory Simmons will play significant minutes as well. And, I mean, there's a lot of freshmen all over this place that, that I think could really come in and, and do some things. But those three are the guys that I, I would highlight the most. And, and then all those guys enrolled early as well, so that has a lot right. to do with it. I also think Shoffrey Brown has a good opportunity to play a ton of minutes when you look at him, the brother of Diami, uh, when you look at the lack of depth in that wide receiver group. So it, it'll be fun to see how these three guys and, and four guys, if you include Shoffrey, how they continue to develop. But I'm excited about all of them. I think they all bring – a unique skill set to the table and they're all guys that, that I think could 
maybe not start from day one. I think Howe is the only one that right. I think can start from day one out of this out of this four guys, but all four of them have the potential to really do some nice things in their true freshman season with Chapel Hill. Well, we'd love to hear that from our freshmen. I've seen some stuff on Emory Simmons as well, which is very encouraging. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, Sam Howell, look, you are definitely not alone on that. I'm the guy that's yeah. went bold enough in my uh, position previews. I'm picking him to start the whole season. That was one of my bold predictions as well. Um, I've yeah, seen this guy. I would not guy. be surprised about that at all. Right. Yeah, I've so. covered him for four years. I know this kid. He, he, he won the starting job when he was a freshman in high school, which, I mean, yep. you could say it's a little bit different, but it's mm-hmm. that's – to me, it's almost even harder now in high school because mm-hmm. it seems like in college football, they are willing to let true freshmen play with yeah, all and, of the guys and, that have been yeah, successful. And, Anthony, and one thing I'll add to that real quick is one of the things the coaching staff that is is one of the biggest things, surprises that I've heard since the coaching staff has come in is mm-hmm. they've not they have not compared Sam Howell to Brett Favre. They have literally called Sam Howell Brett Favre. Oh. I've heard it from the, some members of the coaching staff, including Mac Brown. They're not comparing him to a Hall of Famer and Brett Favre. They're literally calling him Brett Favre 2.0 almost. So I think that bodes well for the type of guy mm-hmm. that that you're looking for. When you look at what Longo said about him, saying he was the best in-betweener of being an athlete and thrower of the ball out of those three guys, I mean, when I think, like I said, when I think of a Matt Brown offense, I think of a guy who can get off with his legs and throw the ball well, and how is the best out of those three at doing that? So, I, yeah, Anthony, I agree with you. I wouldn't be surprised to see how it started from day one. Um but we'll have to see how things continue to shake out um, and against South Carolina, especially because I think I think you're probably guaranteed to see more than one guy. I don't think you'll see three, right. but I think you'll see two against South Carolina. Yeah, well, let's uh, let's let's reel in the hype just a little bit because we just compared one of our quarterbacks to Brett Favre. We've also it's heard comparisons. I was shocked when I heard that right. comparison from the staff. It, well, it, it was it was shocking to me. Right, Baker Baker Mayfield was one that I've heard a lot of. Yeah, and that's, I, that's the biggest one I see. Right, I, I see a lot of him in there. And and again, you mentioned it—a guy that can move but can also throw the ball really well. Um, Baker to me seems like the perfect type of guy for him because you know we, we saw Baker with the mobility at times, but also. I mean, Sam Howell's got one of the strongest arms from the 2019 recruiting class. Like, last year, there were the, – the reason that the offense struggled so much these last two years is because the two quarterbacks that were primarily heading it up limited the offense with the lack of arm strength. That's not a problem with these three guys at all. Not even close. So that's the good news. Um, so let's reel it in just a little bit. The last thing I'll ask you – we have heard a lot about special teams, primarily the kicking game and some mm-hmm. of their struggles. You know, just from talking to the staff or maybe seeing some of the stuff, you know, is this something that Carolina should be concerned about with uh, it looks like Noah Ruggles is going to be the guy or who knows? I know that Michael Rubino joined the group um, at the start mm-hmm. of fall. You know, is, is this something that should be concerning for Tario fans? Oh, I think it should be. I think it should be for sure. And, and it, it, it's not because I don't think Noah Ruggles and, and Rapino are talented guys. I think Ruggles has a starting job right now. I think he'll hold that. Um, I, I got a chance to follow Rapino up at Appalachian State when he was there. And mm-hmm. not trying to hate on the kid. He, he just missed a lot of kicks. He started as a freshman and missed some really big kicks in, in right. some games. And, right. and it ended up really biting him. He ended up losing his starting spot uh, a couple seasons ago, which is, I think, one of the reasons he ended up not only coming down here for graduate school, but just transferring from away from Appalachian State in the first place. But mm-hmm. I think, I think, it, I think it's a fair thing to be concerned about the kicking game because even with last year with Freeman Jones, I mean, he wasn't that great. And I'm not trying to hate on Freeman Jones, but he missed a lot of kicks too. He, he had some really good games where he hit some deep ones, and right. he'd have some games where he just wouldn't hit anything. So consistency has been a, 
a question mark surrounding this this kicking team and special teams for a few seasons now. And then you got to throw Ruggles into the fire, who isn't super experienced. I have seen him in practice occasionally make some good field goals. I saw him um, in a scrimmage make a field goal as well from about 40-some yards. So, I mean, there is some positive things to take from him. It's not that I don't think he's capable. But as you probably agree with, Anthony, when you got a kicker who hasn't played a lot, throwing him into the fire like that, I mean, game situations are just completely different. So I think Ruggles has an upside. I think he's your starter. And I would be surprised if somebody overtakes him. Uh, and maybe in the season, maybe the only time that that would happen is he, if he's just not performing during the season. But I think he's the guy you'll see start against South Carolina. And like I said, there is some understandable concerns around that position right now, and, and as it should be. But it's not that I don't think Ruggles has the ability. It's right. just we haven't really seen him play enough in big games to, to know what he's going to be like. But from what I've seen from him, the upside's there. He just has to perform when the season starts. Well, there's only one solution. Put the ball in the end zone each time and make it an extra point, exactly. which makes it really easy. So we're going to see. Um, you know, It's going to be a fun time here in Charlotte. Of course, the Heel Tough blog, we've got our event that we're doing beforehand, the live pregame show that we'll be doing for Moo & Brew Restaurant in Charlotte. Um, it'll start at 11 o'clock. We hope you guys come out for that. And then, of course, we'll turn our attention to the game. We've got tickets, so it's going to be uh, just an overall exciting event. But right now, the focus is in fall camp, and uh, I know that there are still so many storylines that are yet to come out of fall camp. The really good thing for Carolina fans as well, to this point, knock on wood, there haven't been a ton of injuries. So for the first time in a while, we seem to be pretty healthy. So that's the good news. But uh, hey, Jake, hey, thanks for joining us, man. You do such a great job for Tar Heel Illustrated. You guys are phenomenal. You, Andrew Jones, Jared Hardy, you guys are so great. We love talking to you guys all the time. And uh, we're going to be talking to you during the season. Trust me, I'm going to be hitting up that line, um, You know, let, letting you know when you can come on, talk a little Tar Heel football. Um, so uh, yeah, best of luck, man. And uh, you know, everybody, make sure you follow him uh, on Twitter. What is it? At Jacob Turner. THI? Yeah, take a turn at THI. There you go. Like like I said, man, I appreciate you letting me come on here. Um, The event y'all are having, that preseason kickoff thing for for the the South Carolina game is phenomenal. You're doing some phenomenal work. So keep that up and and, we'll be following. And and like I said, be be sure to check us out at Target Illustrated. Follow me after the turn THI. I mean, continuous coverage of all things Carolina. In between being in the Heel Tough blog, I mean, you should have all you need. Uh, going into the season and, and, and like I said once the season starts the coverage is only going to continue to get better so Anthony, I appreciate you letting me uh, come on here and I can't wait to do it again yeah man definitely we're like that one two punch of uh, exactly. Michael Carter and Antonio Williams and I don't know in, right inside Carolina maybe maybe sneaking in there as Javante Williams we got a yeah. nice three man <laughs> rotation going on but we love it we love it so uh, yeah thanks for talking to us man and we'll talk to you down the line buddy okay Thanks, Anthony. Uh, oh, that's Jacob Turner of Tar Heel Illustrated stopping by to talk with us, one of our great friends on the show. And as we mentioned, we've got the kickoff show that we're doing before the game against South Carolina. We're going to have you covered, okay, guys? You come out 11 o'clock in the morning. You can come out and get your version of the Charlotte Blue Cup from Moo & Brew. That's the Tar Heel bar in the area. They've allowed us to come in here and somehow put on a show. We don't know how they're why they're doing it. 
what's going on in the brave. We're going out there. Me, Josh Marlowe, will be out there, and we'll also be joined by some special guests. That's right. Come out and see some former Tar Heels. Ryan Houston is coming out. He's in, uh, still staying in Matthews, so he's going to come out and join us. We got Errol Hood coming all the way from Rockingham. We're going to talk to him about his career also, about his son, Caleb Hood, who's doing some great stuff at Richmond High School in Rockingham, North Carolina. He's a three-star recruit in the 2020 class that has been offered by Carolina with Drake May, the other guy that is a former uh, the uh, legacy. That's what I was looking for. The legacy um, of a Tar Heel quarterback. That's Mark May. Uh, he might also be stopping by, by the way. We'll get to that uh, later on. But with Drake May committing to Alabama, Caleb Hood, Maybe he's in play for Carolina. You never know. So we'll talk to his dad, Errol Hood, the former cornerback, who will stop by with us. And then, of course, Na Brown, the wide receiver from the Mac Brown days. He's going to stop by, talk some football with us as well. He's actually a part of ESPN Asheville. So if you guys want to listen to him, you can listen to him up there normally. But the 31st, that's going to be the place to be, man. Moo and Brew in Charlotte. 1300 Central Avenue is the address. Make sure you stop by and see us. Before that, make sure that you don't miss any of the position previews. We have got you covered. We break down every single player at every single position. And we also give you our projected depth chart. So like I told Jake and I told you guys there, yeah, we've predicted Sam Howell's going to start the whole season. It's a little bit bold, we know. We also got our bold predictions up there. But you can go through and look at those depth charts for each and every position where we think some guys will shape out, including wide receiver, offensive line. We're working on the defensive line right now, so it'll be defensive line, linebackers, defensive backs, and then special teams. And that'll finish you up right before the season starts. It's going to be great. So um, that's one of my favorite features to write for you guys every single year. You can also go on there, as I mentioned, check out the bold predictions. We've also got uh, our five breakout players that you guys can take a look at. We got those in the past editions of the podcast as well. The bold predictions podcast. Me and Josh talk about our bold predictions for the season. And then also we have our five breakout players. Also go back, check out the 100th episode of the podcast. That was the last episode of the podcast where we gave you our greatest player in Carolina football history. We'll let you go back and listen to that. Yell at the phone if you want. Unfortunately, uh, you know, we, we can't change our opinions. That's what we've got. But we want to hear your opinion as well. Make sure you tell us who your greatest Tar Heel of all time is as well. So once again, I want to thank Jacob Turner of Tar Heel Illustrated for stopping by. I want to thank you guys for listening. And remember, as always, go Tar Heels! Ah!